What's up, Seamus? Hey, Will. Welcome to New York. Yep, and welcome everybody to Goop Fellows. How are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. I, I love the city. I'm excited to be here, and yeah. Cool. Awesome. Hey, you know, I, I've, I've been staying with my brother, and uh, I woke up this morning. He gets up really, really early to go to work. He's out the door by like 6 a.m., and he was making coffee. I walked into the kitchen. He had his shirt off, and I'm like, Bro, you look good. You've lost like you lost some weight. You look trimmed down. You look great. So, yeah, I've been working with Dr. Will Cole, and uh, you know I've lost ten pounds in the past couple of weeks, and I feel a lot better. Hey, man, it's an honor. We ran labs. We, like got to these like root things we needed to deal with. It's mm-hmm. su- he's such a cool guy. Awesome. Um, yeah. So functional medicine, awesome stuff. It works. Yeah, drwillcole.com. Yeah, cool. You know what else works? Yeah. Is this idea of changing the inside to manifest the outside? Yeah. And our guest today. Gabby Bernstein talks all about that in her new book, Super Attractor. Yeah, man. I think this conversation is going to hit home for a lot of people that maybe don't consider themselves spiritual, but they start realizing, hey, I have anxiety. I have Mm -hmm. fear. I I, I have things that I don't like in my life. Well, we have to do something different to see something different. She gives us really practical tools to start taking, you know, agency over our life in a deeper way. And I I think it's a, I really enjoyed the conversation. That's great. The whole idea of surrendering and having trust and from that manifesting. Super cool. Let's get to the conversation with Gabby Bernstein. Gabby Bernstein, thanks so much for coming on Goodfellas. I'm so psyched to be here. Thank you. So you have an amazing new book. It's called The Super Attractor. Can you tell everybody maybe a good starting point is what is a super attractor? Why do we want to be one? Okay. Well, I'll just get, I'll be, begin with what the subtitle of the book is because that's sort of the best way to describe it. It's Methods for Manifesting a Life Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. And it's a big statement. It's a really mm-hmm. big statement to put on the cover of a book. Yeah. So this book is inspired by probably 15 years of being a spiritual teacher and having, first and foremost, a devoted spiritual practice. And I share in this book very authentically and in many vulnerable ways, all the ways that I, throughout my practice, misaligned with my super attractive power, which is our ability to connect to a sense of alignment with a higher power of our own understanding and a spiritual connection that allows us to attract into our life what we want. And so throughout the book, I share a lot of the ways that I've been disconnected and then share my methods for how I continue to get back into alignment and stay there. Yeah. Can you give us an example of what, what you mean by disconnected? The biggest one is believing that we can control our circumstances by overthinking or, or manipulating a situation. We have a lot more power than we give ourselves, but we, we block that power when we try to control situations. We try to be the, the master of all of the details of our life. And so it's when we let go, surrender, and allow, and start to develop a more intuitive inner life and focus more on feeling good, that more of what we want begins to come to us. And so a huge mistake is that desire that we always have to just try to hold on tightly to the rope and make everything Mm -hmm. happen in our own way. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a a big part of what I share very openly throughout the book. It's like all the ways that I've tried to be a control freak Mm -hmm. and how, how really learning to surrender that fully and completely and trust that there is a energetic presence within me and around me, always supporting me Mm -hmm. is what has 
has really shifted the energy from being out of alignment and being into that connection. Something that really uh, struck me, a, a part that I loved in the book, is are these seven blocks to basically attracting good things from our life? And and one of them is this this belief in scarcity and there's not enough to go around. And I think a lot of people out there have that sort of level of awareness and consciousness. And they live their life on getting more and more and more and, and they're afraid of, of loss of material things or providing for their families. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that really does block uh, abundance from our lives? We block that abundance and that abundance mentality, whatever it may be, not just financial abundance, but well-being, happiness, when we are trying to get, when we get really stuck in that story of lack. And a lack mentality can come not just in the form of of finances, it can come in the form of of feeling like you're lacking a relationship or lacking the the inspiration and and the passion work in your life or whatever form of lack that's showing up for you is merely a reflection of your internal condition, of your internal belief systems. So when you recognize, okay, my bank account is in, I'm in debt, or I keep ending up in this type of relationship that's so underwhelming, or, you know, something that's constantly disappointing, or I'm not fulfilling my purpose in life, that lack, whatever's lacking is a reflection of what we believe we cannot have mm-hmm. and what we believe in some way we're not worthy of. Like we don't deserve so it. We don't deserve it. And, and, and so much of this is based on, on, on programming from our childhood right. belief systems that we've, that we've picked up along the way and belief systems that we've repeated and created as patterns. And then those patterns of our thoughts create an energy. And that energy is what is constantly attracting good or bad. And so if the energy that, that, is, that is emanating from a belief that's a low-level lacking belief is, is a pretty low-vibe energy, and that energy is continuously attracting towards it more of what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not just a mental shift that has to occur, but it's an energetic shift that has to occur. And it begins with, with the thinking. It begins with reprogramming the stories. It's funny because we reprogramming a belief system. Yeah, I mean, we, we're it's like such crappy creatures of habit where we get into these patterns, you know, the grooves or ruts or whatever you want to call them, and we repeat and repeat. It's like some I, I know so many people who have have been through a series of relationships and they're the same relationship dynamic from one relationship to the next, and they don't understand why do I keep attracting uh, narcissists or why do I keep attracting, right. you know, why do I keep attracting people who are abusive or why, why is this? Why can't I find someone without being able to stop and say, wait a second, where, where, where do I stand and how am I actually putting myself, making myself available to people that are going to cling on to that? Um, and, and that whole idea of changing the inside to, to reflect the outside, I think, is it's it's a huge shift, but it's really hard for most of us to actually do. To your point, this is super hard for people. And I think that my intention throughout this book was to make it fun and easier. Mm-hmm. Because I think that without guidance and without direction and without methods, we actually believe that we are those stories. Mm-hmm. We believe that I am not worthy of right. the romance that I want. Or we believe that... I can never have that financial abundance that I deserve because my family never did or because I'm not smart enough or whatever the stories are. And so 
we, without the level of awareness that we have to bring to this, and that's actually a huge method, which is the choose again method, which is having a huge level of awareness. I'm going to teach it to you guys now. Okay. Having this major level of awareness of the stories that are being repurposed and replayed and recycled and then continuously attracting what you don't want, having a real clear awareness, and then taking that belief system and practicing these three steps to choose again, to choose to see it differently. And the first step is really just witnessing, here I am again. This is, this is the story again. That's, that's my story. This is how it's making me feel. When we kind of look at what the story is and how it makes us feel, we recognize how it's blocking us. And the second step is to forgive the thought. And this sounds like a little strange to people at first. Like, what do you mean I'm going to forgive the thought? It's really forgiving, forgiving yourself and forgiving the thought. It's in some ways letting the thought off the hook. And there's something that I've been doing lately, just sort of randomly. I wish I'd put this in the book, but when I notice these negative thoughts show up in the, on repeat, because mm-hmm. even someone like myself, and I'm sure you guys too, we all have devoted spiritual practices, but we still go backwards into these patterns because it's so strong. When I get stuck in these patterns, I'm, I'm literally saying to myself, like, slow down, girl, you know, mm-hmm. slow down, girl. So forgiving that thought is slowing down the thought. It's really acknowledging, like, I am not that thought. It's, I, I forgive that thought. I release that thought. It's not who I am. It's just something that I programmed. Mm-hmm. And then the third step is to choose again, is to choose the next best feeling thought. And so it's not saying, it's the opposite of this. It's not saying, okay, I'm, I'm in lack, I'm in lack, and now I'm a millionaire. It's reaching for the next best feeling thought. So I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke is the thought. Uh, the next thought could be, well, I have creative possibilities for earning. Or the next better thought could be, I can use the internet to find ways to make money now. Or the next best thought could be, I can contact that person that might have a business lead for me. So it's reaching for the next best feeling thought, and that's how you choose again. Great. I love it. I love that. Something that you also write in Super Attractor that hit me um, was this block of comparing ourselves to others. And we live in this FOMO society of seeing the highlight reel on Instagram, on social media. How do we overcome that block when we are, most of us are on social media um, frequently? Right. Well, this is something that I'm really, really proud to say that I can really own this one. Like some of these methods, I'm like, yeah, I'm not that good at all that, but this one I can own. Like I have, <laughs> I have healed this for myself. So the biggest thing I think is the quickest way out of comparison is to actually celebrate the successes of others, to honor people in their greatness. Because the moment that you shift your perception from, oh, they have something that I want that I can't have, but instead, oh, wow, that's amazing, and I'm proud of them, and I celebrate that awesome success that that person's having. What happens is you actually redirect your focus from a lack mentality to an abundance mentality mm-hmm. because you're seeing somebody in their greatness. And ultimately, what's happening on a spiritual level is you're recognizing the other person is you. You're recognizing that their capacity to, to be that bright, shiny light is a reflection of who you are. And it's not that you may internally or mentally recognize that, but you'll feel it. You'll feel elevated by witnessing someone in their greatness rather than judging them because they have something that you don't have. Yeah, we get stuck in this mentality that if for, the, for them to have abundance means we must have scarcity. That there's not enough exactly. to go around. That's right. 
so, something That's I'm right. curious about, I mean, you are a leader uh, in this space of wellness and, and spiritual health. Do you see a trend with men and spirituality? Is that some, what, what changes have you seen in your career? It's a really good question. So my audiences are still 85, 90% women, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And that's not because like I'm such a girly teacher. I'm so, you know, I actually have a pretty masculine way of teaching and, 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 and that type of energy when I, I'm on stage. So I think when men do enter my conversation, they're like, oh yeah, I totally relate to this. But I think it takes mm-hmm. men some, some, you know, a little bit of, of, of boundaries to get past to get into the room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen more and more men opening up to spiritual conversations, becoming so much more focused on personal growth and spiritual development. And it's been a tremendous trend. I mean, even a a podcast like this is just a great sign of the times, right? It's a great sign that men talking about wellness, talking about spirituality, talking about about bettering yourself. I mean, it's it's kudos to you guys. You're awesome. So thank you. really nice to see these shifts, but I still think there's a lot of big ways to go. Honestly, yeah. I really do. And I, I think, I wonder if you agree with me. I, I totally agree with you. I, and I, I'm curious to know how we can, and hopefully you can help us with this, encourage more men to understand that to have a spiritual practice, to be open to, to things bigger than things, us. Exactly. Things b- bigger than who we are is not to, is not to undermine your masculinity. Cause I think it is, we, we perceive that and something we talk a lot about on this, on the podcast that, that to be in touch with uh, a softer side of who you are, doesn't mean that you're less of a man, less masculine. You know, I think that sometimes the, the easiest approach to helping guide a man into this conversation is to, hit him with the success conversation because a lot of men really identify, and this is not, this is just a truth. I don't think this is necessarily a judgment, but I think a lot of men really identify as being providers, right? Mm -hmm, And, and, and therefore having success. And and there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing sexier than a man that wants to provide and wants to show up and wants to have, you know, an inspired life. So that's awesome. But that's something that men really, really long for and want. And so that is a huge benefit of developing a rich inner life and a spiritual foundation. And so, you know, sometimes when you're trying to bring a new audience to a conversation, you have to speak directly to what they want. And so that would be my suggestion, actually, to you guys. is like, just keep, keep really reiterating how you have had the successes that you've both had. And I believe I can say this safely without knowing each, either of you very personally, but I can say safely that the greatest successes that you guys have had in your life are probably a direct reflection of an internal shift that you made. Am I correct? Without a doubt. <laughs> without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, tell those stories, guys. Like, it's mm-hmm. really on you to open that door for the men. Like, I'm here for you. I'm here for the, for the mission. But... It's the men that are going to open the door for the men. I'm, I have a, a seven-month-old baby boy, mm-hmm. and the things that I want to teach him most are not, you know, how to how to walk and talk and all these things. What I want to teach him most is how to honor his feelings and emotions, so that he can be really truly confident. And I want to teach him how to honor those feelings and emotions, so that he can have a level of vulnerability that allows him to trust that there is a spiritual connection and allows him to believe and beyond his physical sight and allows him to have infinite possibilities. And the second that you shut down someone's feelings and emotions, you shut down their connection to spirit 
and and so that's what we have to teach our our boys as well. I mean, mm-hmm. not just not just the little girls. Little girls are always encouraged to you know have big ideas, and sometimes those little boys they get shut down. So totally. we have yeah. to teach the next generation as well. Yeah, you know, when you the whole idea of being a provider, and you know, we 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 really do value that in this society as guys being providers. But then the the downside of that is that we think that we have to hold the weight of the world on our shoulders and that yeah. to acknowledge any kink or any any um, vulnerability or, or any or even I mean just the fact that we don't acknowledge when we don't feel well you just sweep it all under the under the put it underneath the the bed and mm-hmm. pretend that pretend it doesn't exist that's mm-hmm. something that I think we really we need to work on I think it's great as we're looking at the next generation of, of future men to help uh, create an environment in which it's okay to acknowledge your shortcomings? So my husband worked for 10 years in private equity at, at J.P. Morgan and then retired a, about five years ago, six years ago, to run my business, to, to be the COO of Gabby Bernstein, Inc. And my husband's extraordinary. Like he's a lawyer. He's, a, he's obviously a finance guy. He, he's, he's also extremely bright about the Internet and marketing and things like this. So he's the dream partner. And... When I had my baby, when I got pregnant, I started to just really slow down and take the back seat. This is the business, this is, you know, my name. So mm-hmm. it takes a lot out of me, right? And, I, and then I had my baby, and about four months postpartum, I was hit with postpartum anxiety, which is a form of postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And I went into a, a really scary place. And it was a time when my husband had to, like, step up more than ever. And he had to really be that provider because that his business partner, his wife, and the mother of his child was totally taken down. Mm. So this is a terrifying time for him. And I think that the healing that came for both of us, and this is something that I really want to echo what you're saying, was what I held space for him to fully express what his experience was, Mm -hmm. right? And then when I could become to get into the habit of asking him, how do you feel or, how, or what are you scared of? And not just expecting him to show up for me in that crisis. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So, totally. Yeah. so I think that the real message for the women is that, yes, you know, men are hardwired to want to show up and provide. It's just in, it's in your brain chemistry. And that's a beautiful thing. But, it's not something that we should take for granted as women. And it's not something that, you know, says that we can't fully, fully honor a man for his vulnerability and his, and his fears. And, and as a man, if you don't express your fears fully and completely, then that's just, it's going to be like a pressure cooker, right? It'll just, I'm sure you guys have experienced it. And so I think it's, you know, one of the greatest, uh, greatest relationship advice that I have for couples is, is to really just honor each other's feelings and emotions as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think as guys, we often think in relationships that if we do show our vulnerability, then our partner is going to be less attracted to us and, and is going to somehow. Quite the opposite. Yeah. And, and it's, but, the, but we're, we're conditioned to think that that's the case. So we, we live in fear of, of not being mm-hmm. the archetype, you know, the, 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 prototypical uh, provider if we show that, you know, we, and we, obviously we need to, we need to express that. It's really important for us to express that. Oh my God. Listen, this is my message to all the men listening. Show your vulnerability. There is nothing sexier than your authentic truth. That's Mm -hmm. it. 
Yeah, it's scary probably at first, but it's like uh, it opens you up to so much goodness in your relationship and your life. I can test that on a personal level. And it connects you more. I had a little like powwow with a person that works with me yesterday, and I just kind of came out and said, hey, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. And when we hung up the phone, I called her back and I was like, you know, when you have like a big fight with your spouse and like you feel so loving and connected afterwards, like the same feeling was there with her too. So this is with anyone. Like when you just say straight up, this is how I'm feeling and this is what's up. You can just clear all the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's kind of back to the book stuff, which is like, you don't have the energy of a situation is what creates a pattern that we get stuck in. Mm -hmm. But you can change that energy in any moment when you get real. You can change that energy through a prayer. You can change the energy through any of the methods throughout the book. The Choose Again method, the methods of of spiritually aligned action. There's there's so many throughout the book. So it's the, the point is, is that the second that we start to to tap into that vulnerable space and we allow ourselves to say what's up, we shift the energy of the relationship, we shift the energy within us, and and everything can miraculously unfold. I was, you know, because I was so like high strung about this one issues that I was having with my, my, my team, I was having physical stuff show up. Like my stomach was hurting. I wasn't sleeping. The second that I just outed my emotions and cleared that energy, my whole body just completely responded. Like my stomach relaxed. Mm -hmm. I was sleeping better. Like it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. So we have to take our energy much more seriously. Yeah. Another method that you talk about in your book is, appreciation. And we all know on a surface level, appreciation is good, but you talk about cultivating this deep sense of appreciation. Can you kind of share the importance of being in this state? Yes. So I first want to say that a lot of the principles and lessons uh, or or core core messages, really, not the the lessons, because lessons are mine, but the core messages in this book are inspired by a beautiful spiritual teacher called Esther Hicks, who works with uh, uh, channeling a spirit called spirits called Abraham. And I know it sounds a little out there for the new people <laughs> listening, but bear with me. I love it. So, I love Abraham Hicks, by the way. You're, you're preaching yeah, to the I choir mean, here. <laughs> yeah, like how can you not, right? And so really what I've done in this book is like just taking the inspiration of, of what Abraham has given me and then also my own methods and belief systems and practices I've been doing over the years. And so the biggest, you know, one of the big Abraham messages is appreciation. And when we appreciate what we do have, we create more of what we want. And so really what what happens is is appreciation releases resistance. And so when when we're resisting, we're in fear, we're in lack, we're in a story that we don't want to be in. But the quickest way out of that story is to start appreciating what you do have. And it it sounds sort of cheesy, like, oh, you know, like make a gratitude list. It's actually what it's a profound practice mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. to just instantly shift you. So for instance, you know, when my husband and I will wake up in the morning, there's a Abraham practice called play the appreciation game. And you just start listing off all the things that you appreciate about the person or your life or the situation. Uh, I was feeling a lot better last night after I had this, you know, vulnerable breakdown with, with someone. And, and so I started feeling better and, I, you know, I, 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 I really started to do my whole self-care practice and I, I did some yoga and I took a sauna and took a bath and I just like sat in the bathtub, just like listing off all the things that I was so appreciative for. And I got to tell you, that felt really good. And so, you know, one of the core Abraham messages is it's good to feel good. So if you want to get back into a good feeling energy, mm-hmm. practice appreciation regularly. 
Yeah. Would, if you had to pick like a first step for anybody that's listening out there that's maybe new to spirituality, they don't really see themselves as super spiritual, but they know the benefits they want to, they're open to more. What are like the first steps that you think somebody should lean into to start cultivating and becoming a super attractor, as you call it? You know, that's, that, that, that method that I gave you up front, that choose again method of just mm-hmm. like starting to become the witness of your thoughts, that, even that alone. Mm-hmm. So that you can start to, it's kind of, it's kind of a strange way of looking at things, but it's really profound. It's when you notice, noticing that you're back in the story rather than just being the story. Mm-hmm. So when you start to get back in the, the negative loop, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm overweight. I, I hate my, my spouse, whatever the story is and just replay, 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 mm-hmm. take a beat and look at the, the, the thoughts, witness the thoughts. And what happens when you do that is you start to recognize that you have a higher self, that you are not those thoughts. They're a pattern that's being repeated. And there's a high loving presence that is who you are, Mm -hmm. that can see it from the outside. And so that practice alone is just will catapult you into expanding your inner world and recognizing that, that you are not, the victim of the world that you see. Mm-hmm. And you are not just your body. You mm-hmm. have a different experience of, of, of the world if you choose for it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another part that I uh, love in the book is this specific meditation uh, for lifting the veil. Uh, can you tell everybody what that, what that is? I very rarely use the word God. I don't talk too openly about, too, too openly about deep, deep esoteric metaphysical principles, because I, for many years, just wanted to speak to the new seeker. I also wanted to meet people where they were, and I didn't want to freak anybody out. But as I was writing this book, I was like, this is a different time. This is, we're living in a time now where there's, you know, Bravo shows about mediums and, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and like really cool guys are doing podcasts on goop. Like (laughs) this is a different time that we're in and people are super ready for opening up their awareness to a world beyond their physical sight. And so this chapter really reveals what it means to me to lift that veil, to lift the veil between the world that you see and the pretenses that you've created around you and begin to see a world that has a deeper level of guidance, see that there is a presence beyond your own around you, supporting you, guiding you, recognize that you can have a God of your own understanding Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have to be the way I describe it, but this is a chapter that will crack you open to it. And the meditations of this chapter will do that too. I love that idea of surrendering. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a huge relief in surrendering because then you don't feel like you have to hold up the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yep. That once we begin to accept that we have a spiritual life and that there is guidance beyond us, that we can then, freely and safely surrender because mm-hmm. we're not just saying like, you know, throwing the word around, like surrender, release it, let it go. We're actually trusting that the more we surrender, the more the presence of, of spirit, intuition, inspiration can guide us. Thank you guys so much for joining us and listening to our conversation with Gabby Bernstein. You know what I loved? What do you love? everything about the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved everything as well. I think specifically I, I 
really resonated with the topic of appreciation and gratitude. And it reminded me of a quote from Brene Brown, who we both love and adore. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, we're a nation hungry for more joy because we're starving from a lack of gratitude. And I th- love that Gabby Bernstein kind of talked about that. I don't want to starve from a lack mm-hmm. of gratitude. And I've found that in my life, like it to be in that resonance of appreciation and gratitude for the blessings we have in our life or your, the people around you, your family and friends or really anything that you have, I, I feel like is such a game changer on like deep mm-hmm. levels. Yeah, the whole idea of appreciating what you have, appreciation for all that is in your life that's good in, in your life begets more goodness in your life. Yeah. I think that was great. Absolutely. So for more on Gabrielle, get a copy of her book, Super Attractor. You can also learn more at her website, gabbybernstein.com. That's G-A-B-B-Y. B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. This is a question from one of our listeners about dun, 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 the evil lectins. How much should I really care about lectins? Well, um, this is a great question. And something lectins are something that most people had not even heard of until a year or two ago. And many of you may still not know what lectins are. Lectins are proteins found in pretty much everything, uh, found in, in greater quantities in a lot of plants and fruits, particularly a lot of the... A lot of the nightshade, we call them nightshade vegetables, most, most of them are actually fruits that are native to the Americas. And I like to think of lectins as being nature's little defense mechanism, if you will. We all kind of follow the rules of Darwinism, like it or not, and that is not only animals, but also plants and microbes and everything else in this amazing world of life. And we have developed tools through evolution, um, for those of you that still believe in evolution, to help us keep going. Uh, and lectins are, I, I like to think of foods as being on a scale of, um, I call them like the scale of blueberries to, to poison ivy. And it's pretty obvious that poison ivy you don't want to eat. It's got a defense mechanism to keep animals from eating it, keep us from eating it. Because if we eat it, that's the end of the road. It's a, it's a genetic cul-de-sac. That's the end. But blueberries, if you eat a blueberry and then you walk like two miles and you have a poop, you leave a perfect little package for that next blueberry plant to grow up in. And that little seed passes through your body and is fertilized and becomes another blueberry bush. So we have a very symbiotic relationship with blueberries. And as such, they happen to be very good for us. Poison ivy, on the other hand, not so much. So plants that have very high lectin contents are often plants that are quite new to us from an agricultural standpoint, that we haven't been able to hybridize over uh, thousands of years to make them more tolerant to us. Things like, uh, well, gluten is a lectin. So a lot of grains, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, legumes have, uh, well, legumes have lectins in them, um, nightshade vegetables. There are things that you can do to make them more tolerable. For instance, with peppers, you can take the seeds out, take the skins off, and they become much more tolerable, much more, we become much more tolerant to them. But there's something that if you're dealing with any kind of gut issue or autoimmune dysfunction, it's probably a good idea to try to limit your consumption of high lectin containing uh, plants. 
Mm-hmm, exactly. So we all have different tolerance to them. Some people do fine with them. Some people don't. But you're right. If you're dealing with digestive or autoimmune issues, uh, soaking nuts and seeds is another good idea. Using a pressure cooker for beans is one way to also dampen lectins as well. Uh, I find that lentils and mung beans are generally uh, better uh, tolerated. Uh, so it's about the individual. I, you can't avoid all lectins. So you just have to do good. And a lot of traditional societies would have done these with the grains yeah. and the beans. They would have soaked them. They would have sprouted them. That naturally does lower lectins. We just don't do that in our fast-paced uh, way of life today. And a lot of also, I mean, it's just amazing. If you look at look at traditional cultures around the world, we have adapted ways of making foods that would otherwise be not so tolerant to us much more tolerable, whether it's through fermentation, uh, as you said, through soaking, um, sprouting. I'm just thinking of like of, of maize in, in the Americas. Uh, traditionally, Native Americans in North America would cook um, would cook corn or hominy with uh, with ash. They use some ash from from the fire that would make it much more tolerable. Um, soaking it with ash and changing that, or you, the lye, um, or culinary or using culinary lime and in, 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 um, in Central. America to treat corn to make tortillas. So all these things, there's a, there are so many different traditional ways of, tr- of treating foods to make them more tolerant to us that we've evolved to learn that now we kind of, because we live in a modern world with, with mass-produced produce, um, a, lot of that, a lot of that stuff, we just, we've kind of forgotten those traditional ways. Mm-hmm. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.